Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast. Now, Johnny, we know there's not much good news to report at the moment as far as Reading FC is concerned. But we've got some exciting news to announce because the 1871 podcast now has a YouTube channel. Hooray. We're coming, coming into the 21st century. Is it 21st century? Yeah. We're in the 21st. Everyone else is in the 22nd. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, if you're already watching this episode on YouTube, you already knew that. But for those of you who are listening to the audio podcast and you didn't know, all of our Series 2 episodes are now on YouTube. And you can find them very simply by going to YouTube and searching for 1871 podcast. So... Um, for listeners and viewers now of a certain age, it's a little bit like, I don't know if you remember this, Johnny, when Radio 1 DJs used to go on top of the pops. So, oh. Johnny, you can be Simon Mayo. I can right. be Steve Wright. And, I, and and the only one I can think of with Dylan Kerr is he could be Kenny Everett. Yeah. I'm glad you picked wisely with the choice. I know. I know. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not go there. Let's not go there. But anyway... So uh, you're Simon Mayo, I'm Steve Wright, and Dylan is um, Kenny Everett. Uh, and yes, no more said about that. So anyway, um, search for 1871 Podcast on YouTube if you want to have a look at the 1871 Podcast YouTube channel. So our guest tonight is Reading FC Head of Commercial, Tim Kilpatrick, but before we speak to Tim, as you might know, yesterday's 1871 podcast episode was our Reading FC quiz. So that was um, available from yesterday, Sunday. And some of you have been sending in your scores. And very impressively, some of the scores have also been accompanied by photos as evidence that the score is accurate. Mm-hmm. So obviously we have to trust people. But um, I can now announce our current leaderboard. So, Johnny, 
you were top of the leaderboard to start with, although that had something to do with the fact that you were going first. Uh, so you, minor details. So you were top. You, no, no bones about it. You you were top of the leaderboard, leaderboard even to start with, um, but your lead didn't last that long. A few hours, I think it was. Oh. So what I'm going to do is I will read out our current top three on our 1871 quiz leaderboard, and all of our top three have scored more than 30 points out of 50. So in third place, with 32 out of 50, is Alex Blissett and family, because Alex got his son Alfie and his dad to to help. So in third place, with 32 out of 50, is Alex Blissett and family. In second place, with 38 out of 50, is our co-host Johnny Hunt. And uh, I didn't deduct Johnny any points for not being able to add up his score at the end. I did that. I listened back and he did get 38 out of 50. So well done, Johnny. You were in first, but you got knocked knocked out um, into second place by our current leader, who is Chris Bennett, uh, a Reading fan, of course. And Chris has got 39.5 out of 50. And what we've done, we've given Chris half a point for one of his answers as he gave the correct surname for a player but he couldn't remember the first name. He's got a question mark there. So we thought half a point was fair. So 39 out of 54, uh, Chris Bennett, who is our leader. So um, that's our top score, 39.5 out of 50. But do you think you could do any better? The quiz is still available on our previous episode, which is now also available on YouTube. So you can watch it if you want. Um, so why not have a go, see how you get on and let us know your score. So before we speak to our guests this evening, we're going to take a look back at another defeat for Reading and a second 1-0 defeat at home, this time against Millwall. And that was a repeat of the same scoreline in the same fixture last year. So that's three defeats in a row, no goals scored in that time, not too many shots on target either which uh, is a bit worrying so here's how that leaves things in the championship table Reading are currently 16th with 44 points but of course we're expecting that six point deduction which as things stand would leave Reading one place and six points above the relegation zone now I still think we're gonna be safe um, I will say that I'm not changing my mind just because we've lost three games in a row so we're um if we get the six-point deduction anytime soon, then we would be one place and six points above the relegation zone. So there's 10 games remaining for everyone. Reading on 38 points after the deduction. And the bottom three, Blackpool, Huddersfield and Wigan, are all on 32 points. And that's a far cry, Johnny, isn't it, from a few years ago, Reading v Huddersfield in the playoff final. Things have changed yeah. for both clubs since then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's uh, let's look at the form because I think that's uh, that's fairly key. So the form over the last five games is three points for Reading, three wins and four defeats. Um, but Blackpool and, and Huddersfield and also Wigan um, fairly close in terms of form. So Blackpool and Huddersfield have four points from their last five games. Wigan have two points from their last five games. So you'd probably say Wigan are favourites to go down, I think. So if that form continues until the end of the season, so that's a form over the last five games, there's 10 games to go. So if that form continues for those four teams until the end of the season, 
That leaves Reading on 44 points. Blackpool and Huddersfield will be on 40 points and Wigan on 36 points and Reading stay up. Um, and also Reading's form over the last four games is better than the bottom three. So Reading have got three points over the last four games compared to one point over the last four games for all three teams in the bottom three. So trying to put a positive spin on it here, Johnny. You know, yeah, the very positive. That's like, you, you, you could, you could, I don't know, you could be a very good salesman with your uh, afternoon. But I think as well, there's there's rumours again of points deductions for Wigan because they didn't pay wages, and then also rumour again Huddersfield points deduction of possible administration by Thursday. Again, it's all hearsay, it's all whatever, but um, yeah. It, it, it's just a bit of a mess, really, as for football clubs in general. Just... And Burnley, Burnley as well. Obviously, not not affecting where Reading are going to finish. Apart from the fact, I think we've still got to play Burnley, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, they've got a transfer embargo, and I think Huddersfield's the same. Huddersfield's but what's yeah. the point of that? They can't do transfers anyway over this time of the season. Yeah, I want. I wondered about that. Um, just to make a make a point again, you know, to become football I, league stuff. I think so. I think I think you might have a point there. Um, uh, well, well said, Johnny. So, look, let's talk about Saturday's game. Another home defeat. Um, and Paul Ince came out after the game. I, I don't mean Paul Ince came out after the game, but you know what I mean. Um, Paul Ince said after the game that apart from one mistake, there was nothing between the two teams. But the stats and the fans that were there at the game would say otherwise. So, yes, actually, there was more possession for Reading, but six efforts on goal for Millwall, only two efforts on goal for Reading, and no, nothing on target. Um, so Paul Ince has said um, he doesn't think Reading have the quality that the other teams have in the Championship. Um, in a way, he's got a point. Johnny, do, do you sort of go along with that? Yeah, he, but he keeps going on about it. Like, you know, and if you're for a player's mindset, I don't know how that starts you off in a game when somebody's telling you you're no good and you're not not as good as other players. How how do you raise your game? Like I think you know the old Reading of we're little Reading. You know when we were you know fighting above our weight, we used that as a a motivator to play the bigger teams. We'd go out there, we're little old Reading, but we'll take you on. And yeah, you know we had some great results. We didn't always win, but they went out there with a fight, and that's what's lacking. You know, it's just. Yeah, you know, it's pedestrian, it's it's him. And, you know, he's done okay to get us where we are, but the football we're playing is how he's talking post-match. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's very negative and no shots. Well, I think one shot in three games is on target now. And that, you know, home, home form has been good, great, but the last two games, it's, you know, it's poor. Whatever I, think the, I think the last, the last home game highlights it on Saturday against Mills. As I say, same result as as that fixture last year, a year ago. Um no shots on target. Um six to two efforts throughout the whole game in Millwall's favour, even though Reading had more possession. I think it kind of sums up where Reading are at the moment. And um you know what what do you make of the of the game on, on Saturday, Johnny? What what are your thoughts on how Reading played? Um, do you think Millwall were the better side? What What are your thoughts? Well, you know, again, mistake for you know for the goal. We go one down, and then Millwall. You know, Millwall are a good side. That's where they are in the league. They're good at you know they get the one nil up, and they, they you know 
they keep the shape, they defend well. But when you don't put them under pressure, you don't try and attack, you don't really create anything, then you're not really going to see if you're going to get a result. You know, it played into Millwall's hands. Again, you know, they can sit back and they can defend. And Ince is right to a point, yet we haven't got the quality, you know, creative players apart from the son, according to him, of course. Um, but it's more to it than that. You know, we were creating chances at the start of the season better. I think, you know, the way we're playing now, as I said before, with Carroll up front, it becomes a bit obvious what we're doing. And, you know, we, we have got other options. We have got, you know, it's, it's clearly not working. So something different. Try it. What we're, got, we're losing anyway. So what's harm's different going to do? Whether I said like Aziz, Jow, something else. Play a the different players. system. Yeah, because the young players, by very definition, have got that level of energy. If you, you know, you, you mention about Paul Ince talking about his son, but I, I think that's probably fair. He, he is the one player that that is kind of standing out. But give those young players a, a, a chance. I think we, we might as well, because actually, I think that three or four points in our last 10 games is possibly going to be good enough to see us safe because 38 points would have been good enough last season. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not too much to ask for to see Reading get like four, five, six points between now and the end of the season, 10 games. Yeah. Um, so, Johnny, what what are your thoughts about this one? This is really interesting. So there's a story. Uh, it sounds like a bit of a rumour, to be honest, that Reading are keeping tabs on Graham Murty as their next manager. So I, I saw somebody make a really interesting comment on social media about this. They said that we need to be careful not to get carried away about sentiment. So Graham Murty, obviously a legend, you know, captain of the 106 side that went up to the Premier League. Um, yes, he's managed Rangers, but is is he the right manager? I, I think I agree with this guy that that commented on social media that you have to determine what the right type of manager is first a bit like David Artell said when we had him on as a guest like work out what type of manager you want and then find available managers that fit into that criteria rather than just going oh yeah Graham Murty uh, obviously you know we we would be in favor of Dylan Kerr because we like Dylan, we know Dylan, he's a co-host. Yes, of course, all that stuff, um, that would be great. Uh, but also, you look at his track record, he's won seven trophies since 2007 in three different countries. He's taken over at four clubs that were in the relegation zone in the South African Premier Division, kept them all up. He's obviously doing something right. And you could say, yes, well, it's it's only Vietnam and Kenya and South Africa. But actually, is it more difficult to be a manager over there? Um, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying necessarily that, that Dylan is, is the answer. I'd love to see him be manager of, of Reading. But um, this comment I saw on social media, I think is really, um, you know, I, I think that's right. Actually, with the the director of football, you know, the scouting that's in place, which is an improvement from this time a year ago, um, we do have to have a, a mould for what the right type of manager looks like for Reading. And, and actually, you know, there are arguments. There's a lot of support for, 
for Paul Ince. If he keeps reading up, then it's job done. So what, what's your, that's kind of a long-winded way of asking you your reaction to that story about Graham Murty, Johnny. I think first of all, like, you know, you look at the last few years, we've just gambled on random managers and hoped it's worked. Going back to probably off the top of my head, you know, Yapstam, you know, we came in, everyone thought, and yeah, first season did very well. Then it went down by the wayside. Since then, you know, random names like Gomez, um, Pauno, they've just been plucked out. And Paul Lins at the same time, as even though he's a name, you know, he hasn't managed for eight years, as we know. Um, they've got to do it differently. There are, like you said about Dylan, you know, Dylan's done an amazing job. He doesn't seem to get a look in an English football for whatever reason, which he deserves. It, hopefully at Reading one day, hopefully, you know, that will happen. But it, if it's Mertz, again, is he the right man? I, I, I don't recruit football managers, but he's, he, what he's got, he's got the, the understanding of the club and he's got the understanding of young players. He's got the mentality, as he said on the podcast last year with us about, you know, being part of the Reading history. That that's priceless as a manager. None of those other managers have had that, where they can come in and go, well, I know what it's like to play for this club and be successful. That that as a leadership quality is huge. Nobody can argue with that. Nobody can say, Well, you, you didn't you really did. Um as any any other, you know, that's that's it's been part of the history, Dylan's been part of the history. Yeah. You know, as as a as a new manager, it's a gamble on any anyone coming in. He's had the experience of being at a big, big one of the biggest clubs, Rangers. He's doing a great job with Sunderland under twenty ones. At the minute, I kind of it has to be a plan. Like we've got Noel Hunt in charge of the under twenty ones. He's doing a great job. If it was Mertz coming in as the manager, if it's Dylan, if it's whoever, it has to be the right fit for the job. And that's what you were saying. That they need to plan this. And if it takes to the summer, we've identified Graham, we've identified and that's that's part of a process rather than this just shooting from the hip and hoping yeah. we're gonna grab someone in that's gonna make something happen. And it has I mean I've seen you know, the embargo in the last three years have been a disaster for whoever's been involved, but they still don't feel the right fit for our club. Whereas we need yeah. this one is this one is the biggest thing now. Because what we, what we should say is we have no idea, you know, if there's any truth in that story no. at all. You know, it did. Uh, it was a story that that came out over the weekend, I think, wasn't it? Was it Friday? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, so we have no idea if there's any any truth in in that at all. Whether it's just just a rumor, um, it kind of makes sense for Reading to keep tabs on other managers. Um, because it might be that Paul Ince decides to leave at the end of the season. And the other thing to say is we have no idea whether the plan is already in place to keep Paul Ince if, if he stays up. But you look at, we, we had the Brighton and Hove Albion CEO on as a guest last year in Series 1, um, Paul Barber. Really interesting to talk to him because um, Brighton, not that many years ago, were kind of in the same position yeah. that, that Reading were. Uh, and you know went up to the the Premier League and and they're now kind of establishing themselves as a top half Premier League side. And Paul Barber said we've got a contingency plan in place. We are tracking other managers because you know Graham Potter might go somewhere else, and he did. He went to Chelsea, 
so they've all they already know the type of manager they want to bring in and they brought in uh Roberto Deserbi because he fits the mold of the type of manager that that they want so i think that's really important and he's done very well and he's done very well and also i i think in Paul Ince's defense he has got compared to a Burnley or a Middlesbrough or a Sheffield United he has got limited resources to work with and Yes, there's been injuries, but every club's had injuries. Yeah. I think there are Reading fans that are in support of Paul Ince. There are Reading fans that want to see him go and someone else come in. But look, let, let's um, let's look ahead to the next game now, Johnny. It's Blackburn away on Wednesday. Um, three defeats in a row, no goals, um, hardly any shots on target. I think you said one, didn't you, in the last three games? Yeah. Uh, that need that needs to improve, and, and yes, of course, we've played Middlesbrough away, we've played Sheffield United away. You would you would have hoped, uh, uh, sorry, Sheffield United at home, two of the top sides, they both could be in the Premier League next season. It's probably going to be Burnley plus potentially one of those two, but yeah, of course, they're re- really tough games. Millwall, not an easy game, but um, you expected more on on Saturday. So, what would you like to see? Whether it's you know the starting lineup or the the way that Reading are playing uh, at Blackburn on on Wednesday, Johnny. You know, to me, it's a free hit. No one like, expecting us to go out there with our away record to get a result. So just go for it. Like we're letting in goals by being defensive. We're setting up defensive. We're having you know five at the back, whatever you want to win backs. Change it. Do something different. Gamble. Go. You know, like. It's a no-brainer. Like you know, no one's expecting us to get three points. So try, try different, play different. Let's, let's, we're kind of predictable how we set up. Teams know what we do and how we set up. Whether it, you know, who's in what position might change, but the, the the way we play is pretty defensive. So go, go different. Play four-four-two. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's about the approach. As in the team starting, play on the front foot. You know, attack and try put the, put the put it to the opposition. You know, let's let's not let be passive and sit and hope we're going to catch them on the the counter attack because we're we're not good enough as probably Paul Ince, to keep clean sheets constantly to defend well constantly because we keep making mistakes. Whoever's making the mistakes, we're making them. So why rely on a, a nervous defence when we could actually just try and change the mindset of the fans and the team and go right attack. So who would who would you start with? And 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 before you answer that, Johnny, um, I I actually like your idea of of Andy Carroll coming on, especially away from home, because Andy yeah. Carroll Andy Carroll has got a particular set of skills, like Liam Neeson in the Taken film series. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's true, isn't it? He you know he he can come on and make an impact. Uh, he's not the player he used to be. The same is true of Shane Long. Obviously, yeah. everyone was really happy that Shane Long came back. But they're they're not as good as they used to be. So why not um, why not bring those players on to make an impact and start with somebody like Femi Aziz and uh, a few of the other younger players and and actually then you've got a game plan where you're already kind of game managing before the start of the game. So for the first hour, this is what we're going to do, and then we can bring Andy Carroll on. And then, you know, tactically, maybe we, we've got some set pieces and then maybe we play Long we play to try and win corners yeah. or so, or something. Do, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying... Yeah, and we've been, I think we've been playing that way 
for quite a number of games now, and it is predictable. So change, you know, and there's a young lad, was it a briefer that played in the cup game being Watford, who had a very good game at right wing back. You know, if he's fit and he's effective. So who would you go. start, Johnny? Who would you start? If you if you're if you're in Paul Ince's shoes, uh, I don't know if he has got the same size shoes as you, but if you are in his shoes, you're picking the team. Who, yeah. Um, well, obviously, you know, goalie picks himself. Um, then you've got limited choice at the back. Again, it depends on injuries because I think we picked up a few again on Saturday. I, I think Yeardown possibly could be injured, so I'd say a brief for if he was fit. Then it's the rest picks themselves, home, Saar, and Liam Moore probably. That's who's available if Tom McIntyre is injured. We're lacking in central midfield. I'd give Fauna a go. Obviously, Hendricks played all season, play again with it alongside Ince. Um, then you've got, you know, as I said, give Aziz and Jow a go. Why not? If Jow's leaving in the summer, is he playing, you know, playing for a, a new deal somewhere? Aziz is young, hungry, give him a go. Then you've got, you know, the couple of other the young lads from the under-21s that, you know, um, are the young, very non-name. <laughs> uh, Kelvin, he's uh, got a very long name. Elva, he was him, I can't even pronounce it well. But he's, he's you know, he's, he's come off the bench a couple of times. Um, you know, a different option. Give the young ones a go. That's what the start of the season worked well. We had a very limited sort of 16, 17 players. Um, but give it a go. So now, uh, eventually, after all of that, it's time to welcome our special guest, Tim Kilpatrick. Thanks for joining us, Tim. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. We, we really appreciate you being on as a guest. Um, obviously, head of commercial at Reading, so we wanted to ask you all about that. And um, Tim, you are so you are the current Reading FC head of commercial. We'd love to hear about your role, but uh, I'm going to bring in Dylan Kerr now because he's just joined us. So, Dylan, we've been talking about the uh, current form for Reading, obviously three defeats in a row. Um, if uh, if we get that six-point deduction, um, you know, we're, we're getting a bit closer to the relegation zone. So a few nervous Reading fans, to say the least. What's your, what's your take, Dylan, on the current... Um, situation with Reading. Do you think we're going to be safe or, or what do you think needs to happen? Well, uh, you, you need to change the mentality of the players for one. You know, I don't know, you know, from just reading the latest tweets, obviously, you know, I've got Reading fans on my Twitter and, you know, the the, the, the new word on the street is they want Graham Murty and, you know, there's, there's, there's reports and whatever. But, um, you know, you've... When, when when you're not winning games, you know everybody looks for answers. You know, is it, can they blame the board? Do they blame the club? Do they blame the manager? Do they blame the players? You know, and, it, and, and they've got to figure this out. There must be there must be some common ground now, uh, because it's an important part of the season. I think Huddersfield are going to get a transfer embargo. Burnley with a transfer embargo as well. Um, I believe Huddersfield are in dire straits. You know, if, if they get uh, this, uh, I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. If they get these points deductions, uh, they will be relegated. So, Reading of you know the the, the rumour to be again six points deducted. They don't need that at this type, time of the season, and especially when April's coming. You know, it's only a month away that you know they, they've got their Easter fi- uh, fixtures where they come thick and fast. And if you're not in a winning mentality, 
you know, losing games becomes a habit. Mm. That's now something that Reading have got to get out of that mentality of losing games. And it's it's down to the management. At the end of the day, you can blame, you know, the chairman, you can blame the secretary, you can blame the commercial manager. I'm only joking. <laughs> you can blame anybody. But, you know, at the end of the day, at a football club, you're responsible for the running of that club. And we, we've spoken about it before. Maybe Paul should look at bringing some youngsters in and, 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 and freshen it up and, and giving these senior players a bit of a, a, a fright. You know, because there's nothing worse than being a senior player and knowing that there's a 19, 18-year-old, 20-year-old that's you know, champing at the bit to get a game and then he gets the game and all of a sudden now he's, 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 he's producing results and he's producing performances. So, yeah, it's a, it's a frightening situation because you know, at the end of the day, being in the championships better than being in the in Division One, and you know once you once you start going down, it's very very hard to come back up unless you're Burnley <laughs> or Norwich. Uh, and Dilla, before we uh, before we speak to um, Tim about his role as head of commercial, j- just want to ask you briefly uh, about Marumo Gallant, your team. Tough game for your team tomorrow away to Cape Town City, who, who are currently in in fifth place. Are you are you feeling confident that you can get something from that game, and and how are you feeling in terms of, you know, your your latest mission of keeping yet another team up in the South African Premier Division? Look, it's it's going to be tough because you know they they they've had quite a rest, they've had a break, which might might be better for us really. Um, but the, the spirit in the camp is absolutely fantastic. Our problem is converting the chances that we create, and I'll give you an example when we played. Uh, TS Galaxy last weekend, we, we had 17 attempts at goal and not one of them went in. It was just unbelievable. It's like they had, a, they had a shield across the goal that every time, it, you know, it, it, it was goalward bound, it got deflected, it hit the post, it hit the side net. Everything just didn't it didn't happen for us. And then Stellenbosch played them in the cup yesterday and beat them 6-3. So they, they had a better day than what we did. But, you know, we've got the calf game coming up in Libya on Sunday. So from Cape Town, we go to Joburg for two days and then we fly to Libya, which apparently is going to take us 24 hours to get to Damascus. But the priority is uh, the league. So we, we're down here against a very tough team. Eric Tinkler is the coach at Cape Town City. He's been hot and cold this year, uh, but they're always difficult to beat here. And we're playing in the, in the what I think it's called, the uh, FNB Stadium. No, it's not. It's not called the FNB. DHL Stadium, which is the World Cup Stadium. So that's always good for the players. But apparently the field's not the best because they play too much rugby on it. So, but yeah, right. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, uh, Dylan, um, good luck for, for the next two games. Come back to, to Tim now. Yeah. Um, Tim, obviously, we all know, tricky runner form for, for Reading. Uh, one win in the last five games, I think it is. Uh, three defeats in a row, no goals. Blackburn away next. What do you make of the, the current situation that, that read in the face with Tim? Um, I think, that, look, first of all, obviously my area of expertise isn't what happens on the pitch, but um, I think given what obviously our expectations were at the start of the season, everyone knew it was going to be a very tough season um, and obviously flew out the blocks and, you know, really exceeded what we were expected. And the position yeah. now in the table is is better than we would probably have, have thought we would be. So I think if you said to most fans at the start of the year, we're, this is where we are come March, whatever date is March, 
you know, early March, most fans would have taken it. Um, I think, you know, it's starting to be a bit visible now. Obviously, the the why we expect it to be a tough season. And um, I think look, for everyone, if, if we've just got to pull together um, and we need the fans behind us every step of the way, to be honest, to, to get to get ourselves over the line. So I think that's sort of where where I think we are, and you know these next next um, next ten games going to be crucial. Uh, Dylan, I know you want to come in, but I ju- just want to say this um, for our listeners and and also any anyone watching on on YouTube. Uh, at this stage, I would like to mention that that anyone hoping we're going to ask Tim for the latest news about the six point deduction, the situation with the EFL. Unfortunately, we're not going to do that because I was actually chatting to to Tim before this episode, and as Tim says, as head of commercial, he's he's not actually involved in in that situation, so so he knows as much about about it as we do, really, in terms of what's happening. And I, I know Tim, you'd be happy to talk about that if if you could, but you can't because you don't know. So I know as much as you guys. Yeah. So Dylan, I know you you're keen to come in and and ask something to to Tim. Go on. Hey Tim, you all right? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks. Some commercial department because we didn't have one back in the in the nineties. We didn't. Well, it's not, it's not it's not a huge one now. We had Mike, we had Mike Lewis, we had Jackie, and we had uh, Rabbit's missus, and I can't remember Rabbit's missus' name. I'm so embarrassed. Jane, we had Jane. That was it. Jane Rabbit. Okay. I remember Jane, but I can't remember her surname either. Uh, no, it was Jane Rabbit. You were Rabbit, oh, okay. weren't it? Oh, okay, so. You said that you said, and this is what you know. You said it was. You knew it was going to be a tough season. You know, is that because of the um, the, the, the the things that were happening? Why 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 did, did everybody expect it to be a tough season and you've not even kicked off yet? I think you know the parameters the the club was under from a you know from a transfer perspective. We had what nine first team players at the start of the season um, for for pre season for for the. The management and the recruitment team to to build a team which was competitive in this division um, was quite an achievement. And I personally think, if you look at the job they've done in getting people through the door, given the EFL's restrictions were under, they've done an incredible job. Um, yeah, I didn't. So yeah, I didn't. Know, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that that's something that I didn't know. That's why I said. That's why I, I had to ask that question. Because maybe a lot of people, a lot of Reading fans may know that, but maybe one or two Reading fans like me, I actually didn't know there was only nine people there, and you know the recruitment and everything, what was happening. So yeah, so I, so I kind of, I kind of understand now. And you're right, where you where you've got yourself at the start of the season, you know, and, and where you are now, it's, it doesn't seem a bad way where to be um, through from through what you've just said. So yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> I've got two questions for you, and we, you know, we want to talk to you about your role. But in in terms of uh, you know Reading's season at the moment, the first question is: Is this season about getting to the end of the season, staying up, and then kind of regrouping? So that that's my that's my first question to you. Um, and then secondly, one question I'd like to ask you because I've I've done I've done your role with Maidenhead United. I was commercial manager at Maidenhead United, so I know a little bit. Obviously, different context, but I know a little bit about what this is like. One thing I'm really interested in is, in terms of current run of form, when the the team is not doing well, um, and everything that's going going on off the field, does that make your 
job more difficult or do you just think it's business as usual? So so the first question, if you can answer that one first, if that's okay, you know, is it a case of let's get to the end of the season and, and then we can start again? Uh, I think is I think it is at that point because you know this is just me as a almost a football fan talking. You know, it's not looking like the playoffs are in reach for us. Um, so you know, clearly the club is, is pivotal that we stay in this division. So it's critical that we stay in this division. So it is a case of getting to the end of the season and seeing where we are, um, and sort of re- restocking and, and going from there and getting ready to go. I think you know at the same time. I know, obviously, when the club started out at the start of this season, whilst it was a very difficult challenge ahead of us, and you know, I think most fans were, you know, aware that this could be a difficult season. I don't think the expectation internally was just to survive. The club wanted to be competitive. I think if you look at the personnel that we have, be that the manager, be that the director of football, um, they're not going to just settle for a relegation battle. You know, they want to be as competitive as possible and push as high up the league as they can. Um, so I think they will go into every single match giving their all. And I don't think it's wise for any any team to start looking, okay, look, 10 matches down the line, nine matches, where are we going to be? We've got uh, obviously a really difficult game away at Blackburn on Wednesday and we need to try and get something out of the game. And Tim, I'm going to bring um, Johnny in in a, in a second, but just to say that that we know that Dylan is in South Africa and they have what's called load shedding over there. So um, if we lose Dylan at any point, that'll be why it's to do with electricity. But it sounds odd, but that is that is the case. So um, Tim, you mentioned Blackburn there. Um, obviously, you know it's been a been a poor run since the win against Blackpool, which obviously was a really key victory for for Reading, given where Black. Paul are in the table. Um, what, as a Reading fan, um, and or as somebody who represents the club, what what do you what would you like to see at Blackburn from from Reading? Because that's going to be a tough game, isn't it? Yeah, it is going to be a tough game given where they are on the table. And um, though that said, when when we played them at our place, the we absolutely put them to the sword. And I think I think that came from. You know that was quite. That was a brilliant night, and and probably one of the best atmospheres I've seen since I've been at the club. Um, it was, and and that's the, that's something that we should take heart from. You know, we can beat anyone on our day. I think we've lost the last, obviously, the last two games that we've lost. Let's take away Middlesbrough, um, but the last two games that we've lost, the players have put everything in, and we've come up just short. And I don't think it's a case of lack of effort. I don't think it's anything like that. We've come up just short. And if we keep putting in performances like that, we'll we'll we'll, we'll pick up points. That's for sure. So, um, I think you know, and, and knowing the players and knowing the the management, knowing their their attitudes, they'll absolutely go there and give it everything. And look, we we see in this division week in week out, anyone can beat anyone, and there's no reason why we can't go up there and get some get a result. And just coming on to your role now, and and going back to my previous question, um, does it? You know, it, is your role easier when when the team is, is doing better on on the pitch and you haven't got this stuff off off the pitch? You know, does it does it make your your job more difficult when you're in this kind of um, run of poor form on the pitch, or or do you just carry on as usual? No, I think I think um, 
working in football is, and, and I think sport generally, actually, there is an element of just rolling with the punches um, because, you know, you never know what's going to happen on a Saturday. Uh, I can't control what happens on the pitch and you never, you know, you can't, it's, it's very difficult to plan because of that, because you do need to be reactive to it. As an example, there are, you know, there are certain things in terms of marketing that, you know, given that we've lost a couple of games, it's probably right that you don't go, you know, pushing those in people's faces because it, it might look a bit odd. Um, but, and, you know, you will, you know, and whether that's when you're talking to potential sponsors or things like that, any people want, first of all, people want to sponsor a, a winning team. And the most important thing is when the team does well, people want to come and watch the team. And obviously when results aren't so good, it's not quite as uh, we don't, it does, we do see an impact on our attendances. So it, it does make a big difference. Naturally, you know, I wouldn't say winning's the solution to everything because it's not, but it does have a big impact on us commercially. Um, but in terms of my job, I can't, I can't rely on that, if that makes sense. So I try myself not to get too, whilst you do kick every ball with the players because it massively impacts your everyday life, I try not, I try my best not to get too bogged down in sort of our, you know, what we're doing strategically, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis based on whether we've won or not. So it's a difficult question to answer because it's sort of yes and no. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's a, that sort of gives you a bit of insight. Yeah, and, and just just really asking you now to talk a bit about your role, how it all works. I think probably people get an idea of what a um, head of commercial would do. I guess it's a fair bit different from the perception. So do you want to describe what the key objectives of, of your role are to start with? Yeah, I think I'm interested in what you think, what the perception is now. I know you said that, but I think ultimately for for my role is to is to try and try and drive the club's major revenue streams um now we have a that's not all just on me we have obviously our our ticketing team and and uh our crm team and our media team and um but my role is really to try as best as possible to try and shape and lead our lead our lead our commercial our commercial plans and try try and drive money into the club um, now that can sound a bit crass because you know I'm certainly not someone who'll ever call our our fans customers because they're fans and there's a big big difference. Um, but at the same time, you have to you have to think financially, you have to think commercially because every penny that we generate goes straight back into into on the pitch trying to make the team better. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a. Uh, I think my role, I joined the club in January 2019. And I think since then, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Because obviously, a lot's happened during that period with COVID and everything like that. And obviously, um, obviously, what's happened on the pitch during that time. Um, but it's so my role has definitely changed over that time. I mean, when I when I first arrived at the club, um, I sort of arrived at a time when there wasn't there'd been a bit of an absence of a commercial department. So there's a little bit of firefighting to when I arrived to start, to be honest. Um, and then since then, I've obviously grown, you know, we've, we've got a solid foundation and we've grown to be quite successful commercially. Um, certainly if you look at other clubs in the league, we'd be as competitive as any of them in terms of the, 
Um, certainly when it comes to like our commercial like sponsorship and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great place to work. Um, it's uh, every day is a different day. Um, and I was, will also so say that we don't have the, we don't have a huge team like maybe people might expect. I think sometimes people think there's a huge team behind the scenes. Um, we don't have a huge team, but we actually have really good people who, who work really hard. Um, and yeah, no, no one says that's not my job, which is a, you know, a really positive thing. Yeah. Johnny, I'm going to uh, bring you in now. What, what do you want to ask Tim? Yeah. You know, I was going to say, you touched on there, Tim. How difficult was it? I mean, you just started the club with COVID, you know, and that time working through that, you know, if that impacted on everyone in every world and careers, but for, for the footballing point of view, I'm trying to do what you do. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I'm if I'm really honest, Johnny, there. Um, so pretty much the entire club was furloughed during um, during that during when COVID hit. Um, so I was probably off from uh, well from March until I think I think August. I came first of August. I was back. So I look obviously. Our major our major generate our major revenue generators just disappeared overnight in terms of season tickets and uh, or gate receipts um so the club was heavily heavily you know it was a crisis period for every football club and all you know the sporting industry as a whole and you see what rugby's going through now it hasn't really recovered yet so um it was really difficult and i think there were times when the club before that the operation project restart was called wasn't it before that came into place the club would have had maybe two or three people working just manning the phones because there was genuinely no need and i think the phone wasn't ringing because everyone else was stuck indoors and knew they couldn't go out and um we tried to keep our retail operation going um and you know that was one aspect of revenue that we could drive um but apart from that until Project Restart happened, where we could then start, you know, selling your Royals TV passes and things like that, there was very little going on in terms of revenue generation. We did try a few. In there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, Dylan. Sorry, sorry. Now, do you want to come, Dylan, do you want to come back in now? What do you want to ask Tim? Yeah, no, Tim. So, I mean, you know, look, I mean, when I when I was at, obviously, Elm, when we're talking back at Elm Park, but, you know, even when, 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 I've, when I've come down to the Medeski, when I've come down to that, uh, I mean, it's an amazing ground. No, it's, not um, the, it's not the Medeski anymore. It's, it's, listen, it's, you're not going to change it for me. It's the Medeski, yeah. you know. Okay. Not to you, but it's, to me, it's the Medeski. Oh, I know it's the Let Carl Leeson Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I say it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm old school, and uh, like I say, you know, when when I when I'm when I'm down there and and, and I do come and see the games, which unfortunately it's, it's not as often as I could do. You know, the, the it's always on 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 an hospi- hospitality side. It's always top class. I mean, you know, the function suites, the sponsors' rooms, the, the supporters' rooms. Um, you know, you, I could spend all day there, you know, and I have to steal myself to go into the chairman's lounge, you know, for five minutes just to yeah. see Sir John. You know, maybe, well, you know, there's a, a lot of people have left now. So, um, but it's always, um, the club's always been vibrant, you know, from a from supporters base that, 
people still go. And 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 I agree with you. It's a, the field's successful. If they're successful on the field, they'll be successful in the stands. You know, and people will buy into that. You know, and I mean, God forbid, you know, it all goes pear shaped for Reading. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I think, you know, like I say, I've got to, I've got to believe in what Paul Lynch is doing because of his character as a player. And I just hope that he he, he can change that. Uh, but you know, you you must feel pleased, and you know the way that the commercial side and 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 the way that the, the, that you work with groups in in, in and around Reading and, and out with Reading as well. Yeah, I think. Um... I completely agree with what you say there, Dylan. I think the club, um, you know, I've been at the club five minutes really compared to, first of all, some of the people that work there and obviously given and just generally with the history of the club. Um, but even for myself coming in relatively new, it's, not, it's almost five, it was four years now, but um, the club is like a family. And when you see, um, you know, club legends like yourself, Dylan, or any former ex-players that will come back or ex-members of staff that will come back, everyone's very welcoming and everyone, it, it feels very friendly, I think, for um, for these stakeholders of the club to be, you know, that they're part of something. It's not just about the right here, right now and what happens on the pitch. It's about, you know, the... 150 years of history of the club, obviously, that's a nice plug for your podcast, but, um, you know, it's, and that's something even for myself, as I say, as a new person coming in, you spot that straight away. And, you know, you, some of the, I will say the the people that have been there a long time, obviously current staff members like Jackie Evans, Ray Booth, Sue Hewitt, Brian Stabler, who've been with the club a long time, but also, you know, when I arrived, Sir John was no longer chairman, but he's been incredibly supportive to me in my role. Um, gone out his way, I would say, to to try and help the club commercially and try and uh, try and open doors for us. Um, and obviously, as well, Nigel Howie was what he was the CEO when I arrived, um, and he's still supportive now in, in his in his current role. And and Tim, you you mentioned uh, you were curious about uh, you know what I said about the perception. Actually, the way you described it was probably exactly um, how people perceive that. Right. I, I think I meant. You know, there's a lot more to it than than people might ex- expect. So, with that in mind, could you talk through some of the initiatives um, to engage with the fans, to in- engage with the community? Because I know, for example, um, you've got a partnership with the University of Reading called Show Your Stripes. So, what are some of those ideas and initiatives um, that you've got in place to in- engage with the, the fan base and, and also the, the wider community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think um, I think from my perspective in terms of making a difference in my role, the, you know, if we're going to move the needle commercially for the club, we need to be, you know, growing the fan base in terms of driving more bums on seats on a, on a regular basis. And I think since I've been at the club, um, when I joined, the attendances were, you know, not much better than what they are now. So they're, you know, I think there might be a slight decline. I don't think obviously COVID helped that. And I'm not saying the club can't do better, which I think we can, but, um, but I think in, in order to move the needle commercially for us and in the general uh, fan experience and atmosphere and things like that. We need to start driving more people into the stadium. And my opinion on what we need to, to do to do that is to try and uh, try and connect the club with 
the town and the community a lot more. I think um, in the modern world, it's very easy to be detached from what's right in front of you on your doorstep, given the accessibility to Netflix, to Playstations, to, um, you know, watching Arsenal, watching Chelsea on TV, or even getting to Chelsea if you want to go and watch them live, if you can. Um, so I think it's something that we need to create emotive connections between our between our population and um and and the football club and i think you know we we worked really hard during the the anniversary season to try and do lots of lots of activations around that whether that be the museum whether that be um working with local schools to have um have red and fc as part of their history syllabus so kids are learning about red and fc um and we've got stuff planned for next season as well which in my opinion so i'm not from i'm not from Reading, right so i'm from i'm from blackpool actually obviously you mentioned them earlier um but i i have this i have this feeling that um i don't know why but i don't i don't feel like a lot of people in Reading are proud to be from Reading. But actually, as I, I feel that like they should be, it's like it's an incredibly fast growing, fast growing town with uh, um, incredibly exciting things happening there. And I feel like we, as Reading Football Club, have a responsibility to talk about that and to try and communicate the great things that Reading is great at. Um, we're not just Reading Football Club, we're Reading's Football Club. And that sort of led us on to the partnership with the university. So as an example, the um, we'd always been aware that we needed to be better from a sustainability point of view. And I've been talking with the university for years about ways in which we could work together. And we knew we should be working together, but we couldn't quite find the right angle. And I was actually on a Zoom call similar to what we're on now with their commercial director and uh, in the canvas behind him, similar to how you've got the 1871 flag there. Um, he had this climate stripe uh image and i made a I, I think i made a jokey comment about it. i don't know like a nice bit of art or something i don't know if it was a joke i might have been serious but i had no idea what it was um and when he explained it to me it straight away first of all i think like it does for a lot of people resonates in terms of oh wow the the earth's gone the what things are going bad from a global warming perspective um, but secondly, what and he, when he explained the success of it, how it was visible at COP26 and it was becoming more visible around the world, I felt like this, again, was something that our town has created that. Reading has created this, and we should be proud of that. And, you know, they wanted to reach more people and possibly different dem- demographics. So straight away, I ended I I the call, and I called him back on my mobile maybe 10 minutes later saying, we've, we've got to put this in the kits. We've got to work together. Let's put this in the kits. Let's let's talk about it. You can help us become more sustainable. We've been taking lots of steps this season to do that. Um, but more importantly, can we get more people talking about this? Can we get Reading fans talking about it? Can we get football fans and sports fans talking about what the world is going through? And we're incredibly proud, actually, of the partnership. It's it's been um, it's been probably more successful successful than we expected it to. I think when we did the kit launches and things like that, I did say to our media guys that I think I think there might be some negative reaction to start with because obviously the stripes on the sleeves are quite striking and not probably what you'd expect in a Reading kit. And I think there was to start with. I think a lot I've screenshotted on my phone some uh, some some comments on Twitter which uh, 
I don't know, I probably shouldn't repeat on here, but um but it was incredible to see the reaction that it got as it went further when different media outlets picked it up and um it went all say it went almost viral, I guess, in terms of the exposure that it got. And then when we played Man United again and it got more people talking about it. So it's something that, you know, it's it's not one of the it's not a partnership which has driven the club revenue. And this might give you a bit of insight into my role as well, because it's not something that directly is driving the club revenue, but actually if we get people thinking that, you know, first of all, if first of all, the first objective is to try and increase awareness of climate change. But the second of all, if we from a selfish perspective, is if it if we can if we can create more of a connection with what the great things that the town is doing as a football club. Let's shout about them. Let's pe- make people proud of our town, proud of our football club, and um, try and make a difference that way. So it sort of gives you an idea of the engagement things that we try and do. We've got similar things planned for next season. Yeah, and I, I think that's a challenge. Um, Tim, if I may be so bold, I'd like to kind of slightly disagree with something that you said earlier. No. And obviously, you, you coming in into the town. So I think there's two, two parts to this. So I was born in Reading. I grew up in the Reading area, went to Reading College, et cetera, et cetera. So for me personally, I know I know you you know this wasn't a sweeping statement that you made, but for me personally, and I think this would apply to Johnny, it would apply to other people that were born in Reading and grew up in Reading. Certainly, you know I'm proud of where I'm from, and and I think a lot of people, you know, who have either been born in Reading or have lived in Reading from from a very young age would would feel the same. I, I think possibly what's happened is there's that perception from from the outside so as somebody like yourself coming from Blackpool maybe you know I do feel that there's potentially that that perception of of that being the the case that you said that some people who are from Reading are not necessarily proud of that I think obviously we've had an influx of people from from the outside I mean you you came from a different part of the country etc yeah. I, I think actually for me and, and I I worked for Reading FC commercial department for a while. I, I, I went out to houses with the lottery and, and stuff like that. Um, not not very long, and I, I used to have a little um, a little stall on on a Saturday selling Reading FC merchandise. And, and and I think what I agree with you is that for me personally, um, Reading Football Club is part of Reading. Um, so I feel so I feel that Reading is part of my identity, literally, because it was where I was born. It's where I grew up. It's where I think for anyone who grew up in a certain town, whether it's Blackpool or Reading or or wherever, that comes with all those memories of of happy times that that you've had. But I, I think that it's probably, and I, I've had this experience of being in a similar role myself, it's about you know, how can you engage those people and motivate those people to get interested in, in the football club? So I think that, you know, that partnership with University of, of Reading is, is going to help. And, you know, I've dressed up as as the mascot and gone out in the town and, and all, all sorts of things. So we spoke to, um, on one of our recent episodes, we spoke to um, the Assistant General Manager and the Creative Director at Reading Royals Ice Hockey Club in Reading in Pennsylvania. And they talked about all these creative ideas. So, do you? Um, so you, you said that's the aim, but but how how do you think that you can, you know, kind of provide that extra motivation, especially if the team isn't doing that well on on the pitch? What how how 
how do you kind of see the next few years going in terms of your role and, and your role in, in helping with that engagement? I, I don't uh, know. That's a very long-winded question. No, no. Hopefully you get um, the idea. Yeah, I'll try and answer it as best I can. Um, I think, you know, as I said, I can't control what happens on the pitch. And actually, Reading Football Club does some amazing work that is not even related to what happens on the pitch on a Saturday afternoon. Um, a good person for you to have on this podcast would be Dave Evans from the Community Trust. Um, the work the Community Trust does on a day-to-day basis, impacting people's lives uh, in in Reading and the, the you know the Berkshire area, is absolutely incredible. And I personally don't I'm not, I don't think enough people know about it. And I've said this to Dave, and I, I think it's his, you know it's their biggest challenge in terms of you know we need to as a football club make sure more people know about what's going on. And and really talk about the, the the great things that the club does that isn't the, the I'm sure you'll agree as fans that the football club isn't just win lose or draw for you, and you want to know about the difference that the impact we're having first of all with with aspects like the community trust, the great work going on in the academy every single day. Um, I know we've obviously recently moved down to category two status, but that doesn't mean at all that the great work has stopped. It's just a title that's given and. You know, the players that are coming into our club at, you know, eight years old and being nurtured and being looked after in the most incredible way by um, different members of staff to make sure that not only are they given the best chance possible to be to be, you know, professional footballers, but they're 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 well-rounded and educated young people that that for when they for when they do reach that age. Um, And. You know, there's a lot of really great things that happens at the club, and I think that's, you know, my ambition is to is clearly like as you know as you'd expect for you know is to have a, a sold out stadium every single week, um, have people you know are engagement at an all time high because you know things are going so great on the pitch, things are going so great in every department, but you know we have to do the little steps and we have to make sure that everything that we do on a, on a day-to-day basis is, is working towards that. And it is difficult. Like, you know, I'm not alone at the club that you've got such big ambitions and such, such, such vision, but then curveballs get thrown in the way. And, you know, we don't have infinite marketing budgets. We don't have, you know, um, uh, you know, sig- we don't have the big team of people, as I've said. So um, we have to sort of box clever. We have to do initiatives like the grassroots schools day that matches that we've done this, this season to try and get young people in and then obviously going forward, try and keep them. And when it comes to, uh, you know, putting our season tickets on sale, try and make sure that we're making them as attractive as possible for those, for for new fans to to come and obviously, um current fans to stay um and yeah look every single thing that we do on a daily basis is 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 working towards that and um that's and and really in me saying this i'm not even thinking about the the i'm not thinking pound signs when i'm talking about this i'm just thinking about the impact it has on the club as a whole um and then naturally if you do that the money comes with it Uh, and johnny i want to bring you back in now what what else do do you want to ask him I say to him, I know you, you know, there's been so many good off the field initiatives this season. And I know from speaking to David Park, you know, the match day experience doesn't get talked about for people that, you know, from the autistic spectrum 
there's so many things. Do you think we are really missing a big trick by actually talking more about what we do and do well as a, as a community club, which we are, isn't it? And that's what we've always been based on. A strong yeah. community. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's not a case we're missing a trick because we're aware of it, but we also need to present it in the right way. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, perhaps there's been a challenge at times to make sure that, first of all, the content that we're able to put together is engaging and is 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 digestible because, um, you know, our media team do a great job and try and cover all aspects of the club in the best way. But then at the same time, we've also got to recognise that, you know, tomorrow everyone's focused on getting a result away at tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Everyone's focused on getting um, a result away at Blackburn. So you've got to get those, you've got to get that balance. And um, But, it's, yeah, it's certainly not missing a trick, but it's something that everyone's sort of aware of. We need to... Um, we need to do a bit better, and, and and no one's more aware of that than if we talk about the community trust. The trust know that themselves that, and they've you know they've recently hired someone in a marketing department to try and make sure more people know about the great work that they do. And, and Tim, you uh, obviously sponsorship is a key part of your role, and you know all the Reading fans um, will be able to remember certain sponsors. I can remember Courage being on the front of the kit back in the eighties and. You know, and and people will have their favourite kits, and they will remember who the sponsor is. But I think a question that a, a lot of people would like to know the answer from is: How do you go about um, engaging with a, with a sponsor and actually getting a sponsor to put the name on the shirt and and the other types of sponsors? So the like the adver- advertising boards around the pitch and all that sort of. How does that all come about? You know, what's the process? Yeah, I think it's um, it's. It's a difficult one to answer, really, because there's no there's no one way. But um, I think if you, as I mentioned at the start, when I first of all, I'm 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 a huge football fan like yourself, Mark. I, I you know growing up, I could tell you all the sponsors on every football every football team across the country, and you know for me that's what you know that's how I remember shirts. Like you talk about, I don't know, a Tottenham kit with Hewlett Packard or with you know Leeds with Thistle Hotels and all that. I remember shirts in that way. And I don't know what I don't know if that's what moved me into working into this into this industry because I was always interested by sponsorship. And then sponsorship is my background. I'd always worked in sponsorship before moving to Reading. Um so yeah, similar to yourself there. But in terms of how you go about doing it, I think as mentioned earlier, when I arrived at the club, it, I was taught of I sort of inherited a bit of an absence in this area. We'd had Carabao for three years, I think, or four years as the shirt sponsor. But, um, you know, naturally they had a bit of a link to the former ownership of the club. And I think quite early on when I I arrived in January and quite early on it was established that they weren't going to continue. So we needed a new front shirt sponsor by, by April. You need it really done by April or May. And there was nothing to pick up on. Like it was just there's a desk, there's your laptop, get on with it um and there's no science to it in my opinion um it is picking up the phone it is trying to get in front of the right people we're very fortunate in reading that we've got various major businesses right on our doorstep um and you know what we were talking about earlier the club is seen in a very favorable way so typically you can get a door open just by you know hi i'm tim from reading football club love to talk about working together and you know from there, 
I'm a believer, and, and everyone's different in terms of my industry, in terms of how they do things. I'm a believer in listening. So if you're, you know, select car leasing, what are they trying to achieve? What's your business going through? What's the what's the big object big objectives at the moment? How can we try and support you on that? And the club is, you know, personally, you know, in Reading, I would say that we're we're the biggest voice in the local area. If you want someone to get your message, if you want to get your message across somewhere, the football club's a great way to do it. Because, you know, if you look at our social media presence, if you look at the amount of people we have on a Saturday afternoon, you're not getting that any other way. So we've got a really good local reach and a local voice and local engagement. But of course, when you're obviously when you're on Sky Sports every so often and you're um, obviously every weekend, you've got the highlights packages and everything like that. We offer a national exposure, too. Um, And it's really just about talking to people in an honest way. I'd like to think that I think. I'm a pretty straightforward person and quite honest. And I think, I think a lot of our clients, and we, you know, we've got nine, we've got twenty sponsors at the club, and you know, I think they've not only bought into what our statistics are in terms of you know audience numbers and um, and engagement figures and things like that. They've also bought into myself and the wider team here in terms of what we try and do, and to generally that we try and do things in the right way. Um, so it's it is it was a case to start with of banging down doors and and you know trying to get in front of people and explain that you know look, I'm looking for a front I'm looking for a, our next front of shirt sponsor and then as my time at the club has moved for, has moved on I've been able to build my network certainly locally and I've I'm pretty this sounds like a, a, an arrogant thing to say I hope it doesn't cross the way but I'm relatively well connected now within various different local stakeholders and local businesses. And, um, you know, we, we, I say, you know, I'm, I'm part of a few different sort of business groups and things like that. So um, I can, I'm quite regularly talking with businesses on a, in a very, almost a very relaxed, relaxed way whilst trying to sort of twist their arm into doing something with the club. Um, and we're always looking for new partners, but we're also the thing what excites me now with sponsors is we want our partners to activate and we want our partners to enhance the fan experience and to, you know, you know, it's a very simple thing, but you know, Papa John's at half time, we spoke to them and they wanted to, you know, give themselves a bit of promotion. It was a very easy way just to first of all, first of all, promote their business, but second of all, enhance the fan experience by giving a bit of theatre at half time. And you know, what what excites me now with partnerships if our partnerships department is to try and activate better and get our get our partners involved with the club and involved in the match day experience not just you know slapping a logo on the side of the pitch or um playing them on the big screen it's about what can we do to tell their story what can we do to build a relationship with that brand with reading football club fans um so that in the same way that you've got a relationship with courage um in like an emotional connection you can have that with our other partners as well and i i just want to touch on something that dylan said earlier he said that he still kind of thinks of the stadium as the medeski stadium i i think it's accurate to say and i think you know this that a lot of the fans will kind of think like that uh, and if you think back to the League Cup, all the sponsors that the League Cup have had, you know, it was, I think it was the Milk Cup, the Rumbelows Cup, all that sort of thing. And this is a challenge, isn't it, for sponsors? And especially, I think, with 
with the Medeski connection and and everything that happened um, when Sir John Medeski was involved in the club. Um, is that something that, that Select Car Leasing, you know, anticipated? Is that something that they expected? Do they kind of accept that? Um, um, you know, is it a case of um, you just have to keep reminding people? Because you see it on on TV, for example, sometimes people still refer to it as, as the old name for the stadium. Um, what, what are their thoughts about all of that stuff? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing you've got to remember is that the uh, that the two owners of Select Carlisi, Mark and James, they're fans. So they everything that you know we would talk about on here, they'll probably be tuning. They'll probably will tune in, and you know, uh, so I've got to be careful what I say. But um, no, so they're fans, so they totally get it. And you know, clearly they they they're not expected. They would never expect all of a sudden everyone to stop calling it the Mad Stand and straight away start calling it the Select Car Leasing Stadium. That's just, um, that's, you know, absolutely un- unrealistic. They're fans themselves, they get it. However, the exposure that comes from it, you know, not despite that, you know, you know, conversational piece, where, when you're on Sky Sports, when you're on, um, you know, all the different media platforms and, and uh, you know, we track all of this for them. So the statistics and the engagements that come with it is extremely valuable. And, and and it's not one of those, when we sat down and had that conversation with them about the stadium naming rights, um, we weren't promising that all of a sudden it's just, you know, people are going to forget, you know, Medeski Stadium because, and I should be very clear on this, that is the last thing they wanted either. You know they're fans. They they've got as much respect for Sir John as 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 you guys have because of what he did for the club. And you know they um they actually insisted in in our agreement with them that the East Stand must be named the Sudan Medeski Stand because they felt it vital to the legacy that that continues. Um, so they're they're very much um, they're understanding of it. And you know when I'll, I'll be honest when it when the mistake has been made on Sky Sports occasionally that isn't ideal and doesn't help doesn't help doesn't help us there and you know we, we've had we've obviously had to remind Sky a few times or, or whatever like that but um, they totally get it and the exposure they get has been really good from it and obviously really good for their business because football fans are their ideal demographic of of possible of possible customers and. Um, you know they're massive fans. Honestly, every get there, every single game, they're as emotional as 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 all of us, and they just really want the club to do well. Um, Johnny, I'm going to bring you back in for one more question, then, and then I've got a final question for for Tim before we finish. So, what what would you like to ask Tim? Yeah, Tim, what do you think more could be done in liaison with the fans, whether it's the supporters groups? I know 1871, you know, with the um, in the stand, that's been brilliant, isn't it? Do you, do you see there's more potential to develop the communication and where that could take, you know, to improve the attendance? Yeah, I think we we, we always want to talk with fans about um, about uh, about what's going on, and we're always we always want to do that. I think um, I think a lot gets, you know, I'm sure Johnny, we've been at some of these meetings together, which we have where you know the 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 fans. Either the fans forums or the um, the discussion panels that we have around more operational matters, um, but 
you know, we're always keen to do that. And, you know, Club 1871 started actually just before I arrived, but what a success that's been. And we're always want to hear the opinion of fans do, to talk about what, what could be done better and what we can do better. I think sometimes when um, communication is is thrown at us, like needs to be better communication, it, it tends to be, it tends to be on the pitch or, you know, or hearing from, you know, probably people more senior than myself. Yeah. Um, and that's not always as easy as it appears because, you know, due to different cultures and different, different languages. So, um, however, it is something that I think the club's got a lot better at since, even since I've been, you know, since I've been at the club, I should say. Um, and yeah, I think the quick answer, Johnny, is that I, I'm always open. I don't think anyone that knows me or anyone that knows me on the club would like, we're always open to ideas. We, we, if we're doing things better, it means that you guys are having a better experience, which is ultimately going to be better for us commercially. It's certainly improved, definitely. I think you know, it, we're getting there where we've been in the last few years. I think the engagement between the club and the fans is, but it's still space to go. But um, you know, it's, it's looking on, onwards and upwards. I, th- I think something they should they should say on that is that um, you know, obviously. A bar was set when when Sir John was the owner, and because you know he was so visible and so ingrained in the town, and so talking to everyone, and you know he'd always be on the radio and always always you know visible and talking to everyone. I think everyone knew exactly what was going on at the club the whole time, and obviously things have moved on since then with with different owners and um, and everything like that. And I think I don't think we're the whilst I agree it could be better, and we'd all want it to be better. I don't think we're alone in as a football club in terms of what, you know, what has happened typically with, um, with ownership and, and, and things like that. It's a lot more difficult now to be as, tra- as, um, as communicative as, as, as maybe the club once was. Tim, I, I've got, um, I said one question, but I've got two final questions. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of ask it in, in, in one, if that's okay. So you, you will be aware, I'm sure that um, there has been some, some negativity, you know, aimed at the ownership of, of the club. But as, as as an employee of the club, you know, how what's what's your feeling towards the ownership? Obviously you're gonna be you're gonna give a diplomatic answer. We we know that. But you know, for the for those fans who say negative things about the ownership, um, you know, how 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 do you feel about the way the, the club the club is set up? And my my second and final question is going to be um, for you to say, you know, answer whether you think the club is set up to go back to the Premier League with, at some point in in the near future, and if so, how is the club going to do that? So the two, those two questions. So first of all, what would you say about that negativity towards the owners? Um, how do I how do I put this right? I think I can only talk about my experience that I have with our with our owners and and our and obviously our board and everything like that. And I think when I talk to all my my peers at other clubs, and I'm pretty, I, I get on very you know we, we all help each other out at different clubs, and we all we all got quite a good relationship. I would say that I've been trusted to do the job, and and had really a lot of support. I've had a lot of support in terms of when I've given an opinion in terms of how we should be doing things or or asked for support in certain ways, it's always been given. Um, 
and that and that's certainly the case of the of the chief exec and uh, very other various other senior management so from my perspective i can't really ask for much more because the last thing you want would be you know i'm sure i, I believe you've had you know um or you might have um people on this podcast who maybe did my did the job previously um and I, I know it's not always been the case at the club where you know perhaps people have interfered in things and that certainly hasn't been the case they've always been very supportive open door um in terms of always available um and yeah i think it's i, I appreciate from a fan perspective they're not necessarily always that you know, there's you know, as as easy to understand that relationship because they're not as visible. But from my perspective, they've been extremely uh, extremely supportive, and um, that's all really I can ask for. Yeah, and and then the second part of that question was: Is Reading set up to go to the back to the Premier League soon? In in your opinion, and if so, if your answer to that question is is yes, you know, how is that going to happen? I think it's really I think it's really difficult for me to answer that question because I think what is what is set up to go up to the Premier League um if you look at the teams who've gone up to the Premier League recently over the past five years probably most of them have just come down from the Premier League so that task of getting to the Premier League that promised land is is extremely difficult and if, if we're honest that's probably how the club's got into this the difficult situation that it's in because we try so hard to chase that I think um we as all fans will be aware of as much as me that there's been a lot of work done behind the scenes to get uh right people in the right places so that we are you know when it comes to our recruitment and things like that um so that we're giving ourselves the best chance but I know I know the the plan is to try and do things more sustainably rather than just just throw money at it which you know look at it's not just read in many many clubs in this division will tell you that doesn't work Derby County look at them and where they've ended up a huge club like Derby County and, and they're in League One as are Portsmouth and Sunderland have only just got back so I think I, I, I can't answer if the club set up to go up to the Premier League. I think in many different aspects they are, but there's obviously a lot of things we need to we need to do better. Bearwood, the training ground, is as good as any any training ground in the entire country. That's been built with the vision so that we can give ourselves the best chance of nurturing our own talent, attracting the best players, not just by throwing the most money at them, by offering them the best, most holistic environment to to work and train every single day. Um, and and look, football is you know dependent on bad refereeing decisions, good refereeing decisions, slips, own goals, deflections. So it, it's impossible to it's impossible to to say. I, I know some people who do my job at other clubs will talk to people, talk to potential sponsors, and say we're definitely going up this year. You should sponsor us, not Reading or whoever. And I always think how. How can you say that with full integrity? Because, you know, everyone would have expected, you know, Brazil to be Croatia in the World Cup quarterfinals, but football doesn't work that way. Um, and no sport works that way. So um I'd like to I'd like to think that the club is on the right path and that we will sustainably chip away at getting at moving up the league. And 
you know, in the not too distant future, we'll, I know the idea is that we are one of those clubs that are in and around the playoffs. If you look at, you know, look at Luton's resources and look how they, look how they perform. Um, they've obviously got a brilliant model there and, you know, that's the sort of the, I'm not saying the Luton model is what the club's looking at, but the club wants to start having its own model, which worked for us. And so that we are one of those clubs that is chipping away every single year because those two automatic places are extremely difficult to reach now, given given what's happening with the Premier League. But the, So that we are one of those clubs that is chipping away each year and then each, you know, maybe one year we'll put together that run of form, uh, you know, I'm sure way before my time, but when Steve Coppel's 106 team was was it expected to be to, to the first game of the season? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So you never yeah. know, do you? All right. Well, Tim, it's been fantastic to have you on. We could go on chatting for for hours, I'm I'm sure, but really appreciate your time. Thanks for for answering those those questions, and uh, yeah, really appreciate you you being on. So thank you. Cheers, Tim. No Thanks for having me. Good to see you. And we did actually, just to say, we did lose Dylan. Uh, it might be because of a power cut in, in South Africa. But uh, yeah, he, he did disappear at some point. So thank you uh, to Tim. Thank you to to Johnny. And our next episode is tomorrow evening, where our special guest will be the former physio at Reading FC, John Fern. So um, great to uh, to have you listening in or, or watching on, on YouTube. And um and we'll say ahead of Wednesday's game, come on, you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.